We behold this man who would become baptized for us, who would enter into this time of repentance, though he had done no sin. When we are like him, baptized, we're joined with his death. All of his suffering and all of his pain and all of the blood that was shed by the Lamb of God there on that wooden beam, all of that is now ours. And through that water and through that blood, we are saved. Not by any works that we've done, not by anything we've accomplished, not because we've figured out how to fix our mess, but because this man, who would fulfill all righteousness, washes away all of our sin. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay. Because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 downtown west boulevard we pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with god where you are good morning Uh, i was told we've got a handful of people watching online today so good morning to you as well and uh, if you tried to watch us on facebook and join us that way we're having some internet issues so thepointknox.com live stream uh, that's how you can tell your friends that can't join you right now on facebook Uh, For those of you here in person that I just met this morning or have not yet met, my name is Adam and I'm really glad you're here. Thank you for joining us today. We are looking at this person, this man, Jesus. Who is Jesus and what does that mean for us? Now I have good news. I warned you guys last week that we might all have to be up here in sunglasses, right? So the theater this week switched out their projectors. So now we have a giant laser staring right at my face. And all the signs ever were like, warning, can cause blindness. Now the good news is, as long as I don't look up at the laser, I'm safe. The bad news is, that means I have to look at you guys more, and you're stuck with that moment where you're like, is he looking at me? Is he talking to me? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I promise I'm not singling any one of you out, though maybe I should, all right? (laughs) I'm not singling you out, I'm just trying not to blind myself, all right? But if God is putting it on your heart and you feel like it's just for you, you're welcome. Now, uh, I have here in my hand something pretty wonderful. It is water. Anybody have some water this morning? I love water because it has so much potential. See, as a, a chemical compound, it's not really that difficult. It's really simple, really basic, really stable. It's pretty good in that regard. But water is great because you can do a lot of different things with it, right? Like after mowing the lawn on a really hot day, water, no matter what temperature, can just soothe you and help you feel better. Or when you're hiking in the woods and you haven't had water for a long time and you come across a tiny little stream and you're like, I can just barely get drops, but that's okay. It's worth the risk of Giardia, right? Water is great. Or how many of you in spring break in a couple weeks plan on going like to the water? You're going to the beach somewhere. What is it about the beach that people enjoy so much? The sunshine, the sand. It's not those things. Because on a sunny day, you can go sit in a playground here in the sand, and it is not the same as being at the beach. 
There's something about the water there in front of you, the sound of it crashing around you, the things you can do in it that's just so life-giving. Not to mention if you make it hot and you put it over some beans, you get this delicious thing called coffee, and that's like life in itself. (laughs) Or maybe through a different process and a different grain, you get something called beer, and that's a heavenly thing too, right? Water can be so many things but it can also be death. Like if I froze this and I threw it at you, how many of you would be happy with me? Right? Like if I just threw it at you now, okay, you might get wet, you'd get over it. But if this was a block of ice, you'd be pretty mad. Or imagine if this was not just a tiny block of ice, but a six foot or eight foot or 10 foot block of ice being propelled at you. Then what? See, this was the reality in my home state of Nebraska this year. Uh, In 2019, there were record levels of uh, rain and snow coupled with bizarre abnormal heat in March and February that caused huge melting of the snow and the ice and so much pressure on the dams, several dams burst and giant blocks of ice came crashing through the flat plains of Nebraska. Literally houses with ice holes in them. The ice had just gone right through the house. In cornfields where the flooding happened, there were blocks of ice that were there all the way into the fall because it was so thick and so large, it never quite melted. Billions of dollars in damage from all of the water that was there. In fact, there's over 200 days where there was flooding in Nebraska. 200 days before finally the water was entirely back to where it was supposed to be. And they're still cleaning up the mess now. Water is such a gift and such a curse, depending on how it comes against you or what it does to you. Today, as we behold the man, as we explore who Jesus is, we're going to look at a moment where water both brings death and life. Where in one moment, it's both a really good thing and a really bad thing. The story we're going to look at today is Jesus' baptism. Now, maybe you're familiar with Jesus' baptism, right? You know what happens. So when we get there in a little bit, you're like, spoiler alert. It's not a surprise, Adam. He goes into the water. He gets baptized. He comes out of the water, and the Holy Spirit comes and rests upon him. And there's this voice from heaven that creeps everybody out, right? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You should listen to him. I'm like, whoa, okay. Thanks, God. Weirdo, right? That's the story as we know it. But what happens before that? There's a guy named John who's cousins of Jesus, and John has been given a special job to be the most bizarre and weird and obnoxious street preacher you've probably ever met. Who wants that job? Literally, he wears clothes made out of camel's hair, which was not a comfortable thing, and he eats locusts and honey, which I doubt was something really enjoyable. And he's in the wilderness, and he's proclaiming to the people that God is coming. God is preparing to do something big. And this is what he says. Beginning in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 3. By the way, that laser might not be burning my eyes, but I think I'm feeling it. So if I can't see you later, I I love you. (laughs) The joys of renting, right? Matthew chapter 3, John is there and he says this, all of the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the, the Sadducees, all these people who are supposed to know God, who are supposed to be blessed and favored by him, they come out to John in the wilderness to hear what he's preaching and to receive this baptism that he's baptizing with. 
But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? See, these are the people who are supposed to have it all together. These are the people whose lives are supposed to point other people to God, to show the world around them that God is loving and gracious and kind and slow to anger, that he's abounding in mercy and steadfast love. These are the people who are called with their entire life's purpose to show others the way to know God. But they come out to see this baptism and he calls them out, you brood of vipers. You're worse than a den of snakes. Anybody like snakes? Not me. That's right, Tony. All right. I don't mind a snake if it's behind glass. And I don't mind a snake if it's tiny and in my hands. But if it surprises me when I'm hiking, I don't care how big or small it is. It will scare me and I'll need some water for other reasons. All right. He says, you're like a den of snakes. Who warns you to flee from the wrath that is coming? See, John is pointing out that something is about to hit these people and they are unprepared for it. And they're coming out to his baptism because they had a custom of ritual washings. They would go through practices of washing their bodies to show people just how clean they were. Look at how good and how holy I am. Look at how everything in my life is upright and better than you. And look at how great I smell. John says, look, you are going through all these practices and these rituals and these things, but there is danger coming to you because none of that matters. It's not about what happens on the outside and these ritual washings and these times of cleaning. It's not about looking like you've got it all together. It's about something much deeper than that. In fact, later when Jesus is on the scene, he says to these same people, he calls them a brood of vipers. He says, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look really pretty on the outside, but inside you're just filled with death. Could you imagine Jesus saying that to you? Like, you look so good today, but I know how dead you are on the inside. Thanks, Jesus. John, he's preaching. He says, who warns you to flee from this wrath? And then he goes on, and a couple verses later, he says this. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Right. He says, look, I'm baptizing for the purpose of repentance. If you have sinned, if you've done something wrong, come out to me in this water and I will baptize you. Baptize literally means to immerse or to wash. I will wash you clean to point to the fact that you have turned away, you've repented from that sin, and now God has made you different. But there's one coming after me who's far greater than I am. John points out to these people, says, look, it has nothing to do with the actions you're taking, with the things you're doing, with the attempt to appear to be good and godly people. No, someone after me is coming who will purify you, who will wash you, who will change you completely unlike what I can do in this water. It'll be with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then right afterwards in verse 13, Jesus shows up. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John. Anybody ever been to Israel? Now, when you picture the Jordan, what comes to mind for John's baptism? Like, do you picture a raging river and they're like standing there against the current, just hoping that they can pull them back up? Do you picture this like nice, calm and gentle, you know, the water's like waist high and perfectly temperature just the way they want it so they can be immersed and everything's great? Or 
Or do you picture like shallow pools? Because depending on where you are on the Jordan, it's all three of those things. In some places, it's just this raging river you can hardly stand in. In other places, it's really high but really calm. And in other places, it's just like ankle-deep water. And we don't know exactly where he was when Jesus came to him. So as, a, as an aside, when somebody says baptism has to be fully immersed, we don't actually know that happened to Jesus. Because if he was in the areas where the pools were, it's really hard to be fully immersed in ankle-deep water, unless you're a little kid. But in other areas, he absolutely could have been. So we just don't know. But anyway, he, Jesus comes out. He hears this baptism for repentance. And he says, John, I need to be baptized by you. And John, he stops him. He's like, oh, no, 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 Jesus. This is for sinful people. This is for people who've messed up, people who don't have it all together. This is for people who are trying to prove that they've got it right with God now. And Jesus says, no, I, I need this. Let me be baptized by you. He goes on, he says this. Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Righteousness, being made right, being made holy or set apart or different. Jesus says, look, I need to have what you are doing so that all righteousness can be fulfilled. How in the world does this man who is sinless need to come and be washed and made right? How in the world does this one who is without sin need repentance? He doesn't, but you and I do. He says, look, I'm doing this in order to fulfill all righteousness. Goes on, he gets baptized, and after he comes out of the water, then the Spirit of God comes down upon him like a dove and dwells upon him. It rests on him. They see the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove coming to rest, and behold, a voice from heaven, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And there's this promise spoken, Jesus is the one that God has sent. Last week we talked about this, that he, in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In him, he was 100% man and 100% God. And God in all of his power and all of his splendor and all of his glory and everything that God is, was there in this man. But behold, in this man, he goes for repentance for the washing of sin and the removal of sin. Why? John goes on and he continues. In the Gospel of John, we see this account of what happens next. After John the Baptist experiences this, or experiences this moment, it goes on and says this in chapter 1, verse 29 of the Gospel of John. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. John says, look, I didn't know who he was, but I came to baptize all of you for the purpose of repentance, so that Jesus might be made known. And then Jesus came to me, and I baptized him, and suddenly I knew who he was. It goes on, and John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descended, or descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. 
I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. John says, I've baptized all of these people. I've done all of this stuff for the repentance of sin, these brood of vipers, these people who don't know the wrath that is coming, who think if they go through the motions and they do the right things, they will please God and they will be okay. He says, I've done all of this, but then I saw Jesus get baptized and everything was different. Behold, this is the Son of God, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, when we behold the man Jesus, we behold so much more than just a really good teacher. The Lamb of God. In the Old Testament, uh, God spares the people and rescues them out of slavery through the sacrifice of a lamb. This happens in Exodus. It becomes known as the Passover. And with the sacrifice of this lamb and the blood that's spread on the doorpost, the people are saved and brought safely out of Egypt through water into God's promises and his blessing. And then God in, in Exodus and Leviticus continues by giving laws about how they should continue to sacrifice. Whenever they sin, they should continue to shed blood that by that shed blood they would be saved. And John shows up and he sees what happens with Jesus, how this baptism is unlike any other he'd ever seen, unlike any other he'd ever done. And he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This man is not like you and me. He's not like what we thought. He's not like what we were expecting. He's entirely different. So what does this mean for you and I? Well, today with baptism, baptism can mean so many different things depending on who you talk to. In some circles, it's something symbolic, something you do to remind yourself of what God has done. In some circles, baptism is this thing that we go through because Jesus told us to, right? At the very end of Matthew, after he rose from the dead, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. So we, in some circles, say, well, we have to just go and baptize people. Well, in those circles that say it's all about baptizing for this symbolic act, I think we miss out on something in Scripture. See, I think baptism for you and I is something so much more than just symbolic reminding. It's more than just some public declaration. Because if we see it as us publicly declaring to the world that we choose to follow Jesus, we're not a whole lot different than the Pharisees and the Sadducees who went out to John and wanted the whole world to see that they were following God. If we see it as our action, we're not much different than them. But behold, the man who changes everything. When Jesus was baptized, that baptism became something different. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says this. He's talking about how Jesus conquered the devil and descended into hell. And there in hell, he proclaimed freedom to the captives. And then he talks about Noah and how in the days of Noah, there were those who were judged and those who were saved. How were they saved? Through water, right? The water of wrath and judgment comes, but Noah and his family are saved. How was Moses saved in the Exodus? Well, his mom put him in a little basket. 
and put him in the water. And there through the water, he was brought to safety. And then as the people were fleeing before the Red Sea, they get to the Red Sea and God parts the waters. And there through the water, they are saved from their enemies. Just a little while later, as they go into all the promises God has given for them, they cross through the Jordan, through that water, the very same river where Jesus is now baptized. Consistently throughout Scripture, God brings people through water into His promises and into salvation. And here in 1 Peter, it says this baptism, which corresponds to this, the salvation brought to Noah and his family, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, look, we don't get washed as this public declaration. You've got it all together. We don't get baptized to show people we finally turned back to God. Because if you're anything like me, you will very quickly turn away from him. Last night, I had the joy of trying to clip my son's toenails and fingernails. <laughs> Anybody have kids? How many of your kids enjoy that process? I didn't think so. And I have to confess to you that last night, I yelled at my son in a way I don't think I've ever yelled at him before. So much so that my wife just like came in from the bedroom and just stopped me and like separated me from him. It was like, you go away right now. And immediately I was like, oh no. I crossed way too many lines. And so I stormed out with the intention of being gone and I was like, I'm done with him forever. He can just have long fingernails. I took a big deep breath and I came back in. I said, Elijah, you need to clip your fingernails. Do you want my help or not? And I could see the look in my wife's eyes like, if you blow up again, I will kill you. I have life insurance. And I went in and somehow like that moment, it magically became suddenly peaceful. He realized he had crossed the line and so had I. And in like a minute, I finished all of them where it'd take me 10 minutes to do three beforehand. And as we're walking back to his bedroom, he goes, Dad, you're the greatest dad ever. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he doesn't know what sin is yet. He'll figure it out eventually. Clearly, I'm not that great. But he saw something that I didn't even see in that moment. See, if baptism is us deciding to follow Jesus, what happens when we aren't following Jesus as we're clipping fingernails for our kids? What happens when we're not following Jesus and we accidentally have one too many drinks or when we're not following Jesus and we really want to keep our eyes pure but we can't help ourselves, we keep going back to these addictions and things we don't know how to separate ourselves from? If baptism is just a public declaration of our faith, what happens when we come into question with doubt and confusion and things in faith that don't make sense? First Peter says baptism, it's it's not just this declaration. No, this baptism now saves you. Not as an external washing, not as a ritual thing you do, but it saves you because it is an appeal to God for a good conscience. God, because this has happened, make me clean. Because this has taken place, make me whole. Because this has washed over me, let your blood wash over me and forgive me all of my sin. 
Then it goes on in Romans, there's this other promise. In Romans chapter 6, the promise is this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? The Greek grammar here is used in such a way. Uh, I like to say it like this. I was married on April 6, 2013. I continue to be married today. Like it happened then. It has an ongoing, a present reality that continues to change the way I live and the things I do and the way I act. Who I am today is different because of what happened in April of 2013. It has an ongoing result. Do you not know all of us who have been baptized? A thing that happened in the past that has an ongoing reality for you today. We were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. See, we don't go to baptism as a public washing, a public commitment, a declaration. Look at what I'm doing to get my life in order. We go as a desperate plea, God, I can't do it. But in order to fulfill all righteousness, make me clean. In order to fulfill all righteousness, wash away my sinfulness, this side of me that wants to yell at my kids and the drivers who are terrible and do the things I shouldn't do, wash it all away that I can have a clean conscience and I can be joined with your death. And if I'm joined with your death, it goes on, it says this, for if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. When we behold this man who would become baptized for us, who would enter into this time of repentance, though he had done no sin, when we are like him baptized, we're joined with his death. All of his suffering and all of his pain and all of the blood that was shed by the Lamb of God there on that wooden beam, all of that is now ours. And through that water and through that blood, we are saved. Not by any works that we've done, not by anything we've accomplished, not because we've figured out how to fix our mess, but because this man, who would fulfill all righteousness, washes away all of our sin. And now he speaks to you and I as those who are baptized, says, I have a promise of the newness of life given to you. I have a promise of the resurrection of life given for you. This is yours. And we can walk today as sinful people and trust in this promise. And we can live today and say, God, I need you to help me in this newness of life. I can't do it. And whenever we fail and we fall short and we yell at our kids and we do the things we don't want to do, we come back to this, God, I have an appeal for a good conscience. You have made me clean. You have taken away the sins of the world, which include my sins. Make me clean. And so we live today not as people who get it all right, not as ones who've made that profession and said, now I follow Jesus. No, we live today as those who have died and been brought back to life. Just as the water there in Nebraska brought a lot of death, water also brings life. 
and for you and for me, when the waters of baptism, this thing that God has done, brings death to our old self and reminds us of how broken we are and how sinful we are and shows us just how we've fallen short, it also gives us new life. That when the accuser comes against us to tell us we're not enough, say, you're right, but I've been baptized. When the accuser comes to remind us how much we've failed, you can say, I know I've failed. Thank God for Jesus. He's done it all. I've got it covered. It'll be okay. And you and I get to live today and tomorrow and every day forward, not as those who need to come out and show this public uh, demonstration of how much better we are than we used to be. But every single day as broken, sinful people, we can come back to the cross and cling to the promise that his blood was shed and covers us through this gift, this washing of our sin that's deep within. And then we can go freely out into the world and we can give that same grace to the people around us. When they're hurting and they hurt us, we can forgive them. When they come against us to remind us of how terrible we are, we can speak well of them. When things fall apart and we don't know where to stand, we can cry out to Jesus, you have joined me with your death, so let me have your life, today and tomorrow and for all eternity. Let me live in it, and let me share it with those who don't yet know it. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, you have washed us and made us clean. You have washed away our sin, that it's not a removal of dirt, but a transformation of the heart. That you've taken that in us that was guilty and unrighteous, and you've made us clean and whole. We thank you that you would enter into repentance on our behalf. That you would become nothing, that we might become something. We thank you, God, that you have washed us and made us clean. May we live in the newness of your life as those who are no longer dead in our sin, but alive in your grace. May we love those who are hurting. May we care for those who are our enemies. May we live strengthened, not by the accusations of our need to get it right, but by the promise that it is okay to not be okay. You have made us new. Thank you for your baptism, your washing, your entering in, that through that we can hear these same words, well done. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. May we walk in this life and love you all of our days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue our worship today, we're going to continue by collecting our offering. If you came prepared to give an offering, either physically with cash or check, you can do so in the popcorn buckets. Or if you came prepared to give electronically, you can do so at thepointknox.com. Uh, remember, we don't give to get his love but because we already have it. So however you choose to give, uh, you are loved and you are made new. Amen. I think I can speak for the whole group. That should not be the last time you do that, right? <laughs> and if you could do tomorrow's Monday Minute where you like recap today's sermon in a song, that'd be even better. Uh, thank you. Whew. That was awesome. Thank you. Well done. We like to have fun here. So if you want to join us for the fun, please let us know however you want to help out and we'll include you. A couple of questions came in. The first is uh, the video that was played immediately before the sermon. Wow, that was powerful. Can we find it online? Yeah. Yes. Where? YouTube. YouTube. That's where we find most of our stuff. <laughs> I can link it to the, the Facebook page. Or specifically, she can put it on our Facebook page so you can find it there later this week. Um, if you notice, that was just the Nicene Creed that we did last week. Just done to some cool pictures. I like that. 
All right, uh, not really a question, but a comment. If you notice in Mark and in Matthew, that immediately after Jesus is baptized, uh, he goes into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The devil wants to attack us the hardest when we're baptized with Christ. We must prepare for the wilderness and rely on God's word to fight the devil. Yes, spoiler alert, next week, guess what we're talking about? Wilderness. <laughs> temptation and Jesus and his temptation, because you're absolutely right. Life does not get easier because you're Christian. You just have God on your side and it changes things. Um, next up, what about the thief on the cross? Anytime you talk about baptism being a part of how God saves, the question comes up, well, this man died without it, so does that mean he wasn't saved? Jesus promised that he'd be in paradise, right? Uh, let me tell you, God can do a lot of things outside of what he's promised to do. God is bigger than you and me, so if Jesus says, you will be with me in paradise, I'm going to trust him. But also if Jesus says you should be baptized and his word says that baptism is this gift that joins us to his death and resurrection, I'm going to say you should do that too, okay? So if you die and you've never had the opportunity to be baptized, you can still be a Christian and have salvation. But if you have the opportunity to be baptized, you're like, I'll just wait till later. Or like, I don't really need that. It's not that important. You're missing out on something really good God has for you. Uh, next up. Uh, what if you think you were baptized as a child, but no one really remembers? Well, we believe in one baptism. You only need it once because God's work of claiming you and calling you his doesn't have to be redone. God didn't screw up the first time. So if you know definitively you were baptized as a child, but you don't remember it because it happened when you were really young, we can celebrate that it did happen even if you don't remember it happening. If you and everybody else has no recollection, like maybe it happened, maybe not, Let's just baptize you to be safe, all right? Uh, so if you're here today and you've not been baptized, but you want to be, uh, normally here in the theater, it's really hard to bring in a big tub and do like a whole full immersion here. But we believe the immersion itself isn't super important, so we can use some water and pour it on your head. Or if you want, we can go to your house and do it in your bathtub where there's a little more water or your apartment pool or the lake nearby. If you have not been baptized, we would love to baptize you. Um, not for our sake, but for yours, that you can be a part of this family and receive these blessings God has in store. Uh, I think that was all the questions. Do you have anything to add? Anything I forgot? Cool. I'm really good at forgetting announcements until after I walk off. She's like, you forgot the important thing. <laughs> so church, with that, uh, join me at Child Help. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really, really excited for it. I told him we'd have like 15 to 20 people. Um, also, is there anybody that's available on Mondays? Nobody. Cool. Time. What time? I don't know. Uh, sometime in the afternoon. We have somebody in the congregation who needs some help moving some furniture. Uh, is in a bit of a predicament and needs some people who can step up and say, hey, I'm here for you. So if you're available tomorrow and are willing to help, come talk to me after the service. I'd love to help connect you with her and you, you guys can work together on this. All right. Uh, with that, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8. 
located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.